Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's session. I am joined by Dr. Joshua Miller, who is the father of six children, as well as the executive director of Inscape and the director of coaching and programming for the new Office of Personal Vocation at Franciscan University of Stephenville. And part of the reason why I'm having him on the show today is he co-authored a book a few years ago called Unrepeatable. And when I read it, as I was starting my journey as a career coach, it really changed my view of how and how important a personal, knowing our personal vocation is. He, as well as many others, developed an assessment called the M-Code that we're going to talk about later on today that will help you know not only what, um, what are the key areas of your life that have been a current theme, and I, I don't want to steal his thunder, but <laughs> but basically using the, the great fulfillment stories of our lives to help us know what our motivators are to get closer to understanding what God has put us, put us on this earth to do. So without further ado, um, Josh, would you mind just sharing a little bit more about yourself and what led you to this line of work? Uh, yes, thank you, Valentina. So I grew up in a family where uh, we had a, it was a Protestant family and a strong focus upon um, each individual person's relationship with God and how God creates each individual person for um, good work, for, for giving him glory. Uh, but each is uniquely uh, designed, fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalm says. And so I, I grew up in this family that was just fascinated with, with people and with their stories and how to help them fully achieve who God made them to be. And that, coupled with a love for, for story in general at a young age, I just I felt drawn to this work. Uh, so I, I graduated high school in 1990. And... Very soon after that, my, my father began to train me to do what we called um, uh, motivational analysis or biography. And uh, that's looking at people's stories of deeply fulfilling activity and, and tracing the pattern of motivation that's there. Now, I also became Catholic um, and was very involved in the pro-life movement. And there again, very sensitive to how each child is precious before the Lord. And so I was drawn to the Catholic Church uh, through primarily the pro-life movement. But then I wanted to find out if my, my family's work uh, was really Catholic. And so that led me to Franciscan University and to exploring um, church teaching about personal vocation and about human development and how my, my family's work, you know, is within that context. Um, so fast forward to about 10 years ago, I uh, was looking for a way to help my, my, my family's work be more scalable and accessible because it was long and expensive to do that, that longhand motivational analysis. So myself and a group of uh, five others developed M-Code, which is a way to draw out themes of motivation in a more streamlined and accessible way, but it's still based upon story. So we use that for all kinds of applications, coaching, uh, personal vocation formation, team building, and um, other kinds of talent management as well. Right. Now that, I think it's so great how, what your father did, um, you're continuing on and you and, and even just a greater way. Um, so I just love the impact that the generations have on us and, and how we can continue their work. 
um, in new ways. So I just, I think that's really neat about your story. <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful more and more for that. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather and my father. Okay. Third generation. That's awesome. So for those who aren't familiar with the term personal vocation, and maybe they've heard the word vocation used more so in the context of, are you going to be a priest or a religious sister, or they think of it as, are you going to go into a trade? Like, how would you define a personal vocation? Because it's different in a sense from those three categories. It is. You're right. It's, it's a loaded term, and we use it in a whole variety of different ways. So very simply, I would we believe that, that personal vocation is God's call to us by name and that it's always in the now. Um, he calls us at creation. He calls us at our baptism. And in him we live and move and have our being. So he calls us every day. Um, the personal vocation is a unique call by name. But it, in, it includes the call to holiness, because, of course, he wants us to be holy at every moment. It includes the states in life that we're called to, because we have to have a, a, a stable way of being in relationship with others, as a state of life is. It includes professional activities as well. Sometimes we think about vocation in terms of profession. So it's really all-encompassing in particular. You know, when God calls each of us, he, he, he calls us by name, and that includes these other dimensions of vocation that we uh, use. So why is it important for each of us to learn and know what our vocation is? Like, why, why does it matter? I think ultimately, each person hungers for a life of meaning and purpose. Each of us hungers to, to make a contribution um, and to give of ourselves. Um, and so it's very critical for us to grapple with God's call to us as persons. Part of the big problem of thinking about vocation, just in terms of those other broader categories, is that it reduces those categories to just states and it can take the personal out of it. So for example, if I'm, I work with a lot of young people and many of them approach vocation as if it's something down the road to be determined. And many of them have a lot of anxiety about, you know, what am I supposed to do? What is my vocation going to be? Because they're just thinking about it in terms of, of a state of life. So that creates anxiety, needless anxiety, but it also undercuts the value and the joy and the dignity that they ought to be experiencing as they live their personal vocation in the present moment. Mm. So every single semester for the last 11 years, um, when my colleagues and I help our students to recognize that personal vocation is a call by name that's in the now. Yes, discernment down the road is important. Yes, our state and life decisions are important, but the Lord wants us now. And so when we recognize that today I'm called, you know, I can deal with today, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I can be comfortable in the, the responsibility and the dignity of, of today. So it's important, um, one, because God, God desires us to respond to him in the present moment. He wants us to build his kingdom 
in the present moment and wants us to be joy-filled and fruitful as we live for him um, on a day-to-day -day basis responding to his call. It's also the case that whatever state in life vocation that we have is going to be informed and permeated with how he's already created us uniquely. So if I'm just thinking about state in life vocation as a kind of function and not that God calls me to that particularly, then I may be really burdened by that state in life rather than live into it as the unique person that I am. So in terms of helping students to see, or the people that you worked with your clients, helping them to see that their personal vocation is, is now, what do you say to them when they, they struggle with, and don't worry, I get rid of phone calls too. <laughs> um, what do you say to them when they are in the midst of anxiety where they want to know what that next step is and they, they're not yet ready for that. So let's say they're I mean, in college and they're not graduated yet, but, um, or if they're waiting to be married and they're not married yet, like, what do, what do you say to them in the midst of that anxiety? Mm -hmm. Several things. Um, one is that a key teaching of our Lord and Savior yeah, the, the prayer that he taught us, the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Um, thy will be done. So we help them to recognize that at the, the, the heart of, of our Christian discipleship is responding to the Lord's call um, as he gives it, um, following his will. And so there's that fundamental teaching and also supplemented by beautiful teaching from our saints. For example, St. Alphonsus de Liguori says, look, every single thing that happens to you, God either directly causes or allows to happen. And it's his will. Um, and everything apart from sin is, is a part of his will for you. So we're going to be less anxious if we, recognize that response to him in the rhythms of the day this is all that we can do and that's where he wants us right now so if this is where he wants us right now and this is all that we can do it's important to live as fully as possible into the rhythms of this present day and if we do that well if we respond well, we will have the muscles of discernment that we need in order to navigate the, the big questions as they come. Um, I also do this. We also talk about how, particularly through the fulfillment stories, God has already done good things in them. And they're already making a contribution. And they're called to make a contribution. And so it's, it's really to emphasize just the dignity, the glory, the responsibility of, of what he gives to us on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and that is often helpful in, in reducing anxiety mm. for, for, for young people. That makes sense. So related to that, can you explain a little further more, what is the fulfillment story 
and yeah. how it is that people can see the patterns of their life and God's hand in their lives uh, through those stories. Um, God is a God of joy, and he's a God who creates through his words from the very beginning. And so the fulfillment of the story is simply this. It's, it's recounting activities that we have deeply enjoyed doing and believe we've done well. And that deeply enjoy doing is not necessarily um, just in the, the process of something. Sometimes it's, it's when the, the, the activity is finished, sometimes both. But this basic experience of, yeah, I enjoyed doing that. I thought it, I did it pretty well. And it could come from any sphere of activity whatsoever. So hobbies, sports, relationships, church, really any part of life where we engage um, or any time of life. So it's not typical for us to spend time recounting those kinds of stories. At least that's been my experience working with, with um, young and, and older folks. We don't generally spend time reflecting and, and, and bringing to mind those stories. But when we do so, something very beautiful is revealed. There's a pattern of design of consistent design in those stories. So as people share them and they spend time thinking about them, they themselves, as well as the coach listening, will recognize this, this pattern of behavior, this, this consistent pattern of behavior that shows up throughout their lives. And 98% of the time, 99% of the time, those stories, because they're about fulfillment, are really about people doing some good. Even if they're not aware of it, they articulate an activity where they made a contribution, they felt good about it. And so what we can do is help people recognize, hey, look, look at the good that you are. So we can, we can make authentic affirmation on the basis of those stories, as opposed to, you know, everybody getting a, a gold star, <laughs> regardless of what they did. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the fulfillment story. Um, and that's really foundational to helping people understand um, how God is, has uniquely called them at a natural level. Okay. Level creation. Can you give us an example then of a couple of fulfillment stories, either that you've heard or seen from the people you worked with or even your own? Sure. So my, my lovely wife, Brooke, um, has all kinds of stories about catalyzing people into fun activity. Um, while learning new things and 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 you know showing showing competence um, and pulling people together um, so some of her early achievements are just hilarious um, but for example um, celebrating uh, a friend's birthday party by creating a surprise birthday party and uh, and and for one, one of her high school friends, for example, um, I recall the story where he was just coming over to her house and she 
you know, got dressed up as if she was an old fashioned taxi cab driver and created a meal for him and brought all his <laughs> friends over as well. And they had cool costumes on and they, they gave him an, uh, an evening party, right? With Aww. an old theme and she was the old taxi driver. Uh, so, so that, that's one story. Um, or in her girls Catholic high school, she led an effort to um, to break into the school without damaging anything and have an all night sort of slumber party there with games and activities and the nuns never knew about it, right? Oh my gosh. So uh, like fun, adventure, uh, pulling people together, catalyzing their activities. Right now, she's uh, a coordinator for the Inscape Mission Program where she's again, um, creating events and pulling people together and creating all kinds of activities. So her, her narrative of activity has so much to do with being a catalyst for fun, adventuresome action. And her stories are full of that from the very, yeah. very beginning, right? Um, and so uh, it's, it's just great to be able to look at her life when she goes back to age five or six or seven, and when we say, Brooke, tell me about something you've enjoyed doing and did well, it often involves like catalyzing people to fun action and, and adventure, right? Um, yeah. And that, just, that follows through um, her, her life. It's, you know, she's done all kinds of Shakespeare plays, right? Where she's again, pulling people together and helping to put on a, a fun event. Um, so, God delights in the delight and joy of his people. And authentic joy for us is usually involved in the expression and gift of ourselves in action. Um, we need to be contemplative, of course, but grace perfects and builds upon nature. And grace is given according to, you know, how, how he made us to be. Um, so... That, I'm kind of rambling a bit, but that's no, a little no. bit about my wife and her stories. And but the cool thing is, everyone has their own design, and that design is going to be revealed in those stories because God is a God of story. And one of the great things I love to do, Valentina, is help people recognize that God wants them to co-create with Him a chapter in the story of salvation. And one of the great things about the fulfillment stories is that uh, they, they help to reveal the sort of person he wants to have in that, that big narrative of salvation. So, oh, I love that. Gosh. And your wife sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then once someone has recognized what their fulfillment stories are, or the three key ones, then what what what's the next step like how can they how can they then translate that into oh gosh i think this is my unique way of bringing joy to the world or to to give and receive love how do they how do they then translate that into if it, it is if it is a, a profession or a career how, how can they make that then next leap <laughs> yeah that's a great it's a great question um so for young adults I think it's very, very, very important um, to for them to be exploratory. And so I've I've taught high school classes where 
we did fulfillment stories. They helped, we helped them, they took them through the, the M-code assessment um, and they were able to recognize uh, those patterns of gift. But oftentimes the young person doesn't understand the implications of those gifts. So it's not like there's this direct correlation between understanding the themes of motivation and what I'm supposed to do with that. Um, so what I love to do is have people start to explore simply what they're interested in and get really close to that. So, you know, just now I'm talking at the level of career. Okay, mm -hmm. I know you, uh, some of your audience are, are your career coach and, and, and um, that, that's certainly a dimension of understanding personal vocation. But I think it's important to, to explore and get very close to what we're actually interested in doing. Um, and that becomes a context then for recognizing the connections between what I have a longing to do and the practical possibilities of that. Um, so for example, yesterday in this very office, I had a young person who said, look, I'm an education major and I like to coach um, and I really love bringing Christ to others and having an impact. I'm not sure if I wanna be a teacher really in the classroom. And so part of, of advice to him was get into the classroom, job shadow, uh, talk to teachers. So for young people in particular, um, as, as much exposure as we can give them, as much exploration as we can give them without having them drop $100,000 of college <laughs> debt or getting involved in that much college debt, that, that's important. Um, the other thing is um, there are other simple assessments like strong interest inventory or pathway U where they're easy to take and um, there are oftentimes possible careers that pop up on the basis of that assessment. One of the things I do is I say, look, now let's look at your fulfillment stories and that drive of motivation revealed by them. And what's the match between those and particular careers that may pop up when you look at, at interest, interest inventories? And typically they're able to see those connection points. Um, but understanding motivation goes well beyond just looking at careers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also a great way to understand how God wants to be intimate with us. Um, understanding some of the tension points in life, um, understanding why certain people um, I'm drawn towards and other, other persons kind of irritate me. Um, so there's a lot of implications that come from understanding those those innate drives and motivation besides just career. Yeah, no, and that is a very good point. Um, so related to that, can you give us a couple examples of some motivation motivators that sure. some people might have? Yeah, so now I'll turn to my, to my own self. Um, back in sixth grade, I lived in East Tennessee and I loved the study of history and story, always have. And so, I was involved in a Tennessee history competition at, at school, Lanier, Lanier uh, grade school, sixth grade. I did well. I went on to the county competition and, and did well Ooh. there. 
and, uh, and, and won. And that's one of my stories. Um, and you know, getting a master's degree and a PhD are also some of my stories, um, preparing for and teaching a class. So the very consistent theme of motivation in my 49 years is I love to comprehend a body of knowledge and express that in a way that has influence and makes an impact. So that, that through line of understanding, expressing, and making an impact is, it's like a, it's like a soul's code. Uh, I long for that. I take joy in that. And it continues to be that way. It's this insatiable, uh, irrepressible, uh, enduring drive. So comprehend and express influence, make an impact. And those are our themes, by the way, that we have in the M-Code assessment. Um, comprehend and express, influence behavior, make an impact. Mm. So in my life, they're woven together in the way that I described. Yeah. Those are a few examples. No, that makes sense. Um, and actually, as you were speaking, I was thinking of my own life. And when I, when I took the M-Code assessment, um, I'm similar in the sense that I love to teach and it gives me tremendous joy. And I think part of it is, is helping people come to know something or to, to not only learn something, but to use that to, to, I don't know, improve their own lives. Right. Um, and it's just, yeah, when I teach, I, I feel very different than when I'm, I don't know, <laughs> doing something else like cleaning, which is, yeah. <laughs> it has to be done, but yeah. <laughs> Desire. Yeah. Um, and so related to that, once we know and have a greater understanding as to what motivates us, mm -hmm. then is our next step to, and I'm going to be a little <laughs> like, like over the top on this, like to quit everything and go do that one thing that does do that? Or is it possible to, to maybe, I'm just going to stick, stick to a career, like to be in a career, then maybe your hobby is something that that motivates you or that, that drives you? It's a great question. And I, I it's not an answer, but you know, life is complicated and um, we have a whole variety of responsibilities. So the, the thing about, about understanding motivation is that although there are ideal fits, that's true. Ideal jobs, that's true. Um, we can, we can, channel and manage motivational energy in a variety of ways. And when we go back to what we we're talking about earlier, you know, the Lord has us in the palm of his hands and gives us every day to, to love him and serve him. Well, we're called to bear crosses and we're called to live as fully as possible into the demands of the day. Uh, the requirements, the needs of the day that we can. So it's not as if there's just like one place where our motivational energy is going to be satisfied. We live into what we were called to do according to how we're made. So for example, as a father, I have six kids who are extremely different. You know, one of them's in Green Beret training right now. 
Another one is a sweet kid with, with uh, intellectual disabilities. Um, and just a whole variety of in between. So I have to be my, myself as fully as I, as I can to them, serve their needs in the way that I can. Um, so it's a, it's a matter, uh, it's a matter of, of orienting myself as fully as possible to meet the needs of the moment. Um, sometimes a job, to go back to your, to your specific question, uh, I may need to be in that job for a time and I can't quit it for whatever reason. Um, so it often is the case that if I'm not satisfied at all motivationally in that position, that having a hobby or volunteer activity um, can be a, a great outlet for, for fulfilling that. And what that tends to do then is sort of, I can bring that, the fulfillment I'm experiencing there to other parts of life as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And so as a person goes through the process of understanding their fulfillment stories, understanding what motivates them, and looking to see where God has placed them in their lives currently and then the, um, maybe what their desires are for the future, mm -hmm. th that's a lot for a person to do on their own. <laughs> and yeah, we're not called to do it on our own for sure. Yeah. And so that's something that I really appreciated in your book, Un Unrepeatable, where you talked about the importance of having a good mentor or a good guide mm -hmm. to help people through that discernment process. Can you speak to that a little bit more? It's so vital for us as persons to have other people in our lives who know us and love us and help us to be fully who we're called to be. We're social by nature and there's no way we can uh, flourish by ourselves. I think today more than ever, we desperately need mentors and others who are accompanying us. So to use the word accompaniment in a very broad sense, those who want to cultivate uh, our development, um, we, we need that. And we need to give that, we need to receive that. Um, the current generation of young people are the loneliest in, in recorded history. And so um, I think that having a stance of attentiveness to the people in, in our sphere of influence is absolutely vital. Um, and for those of us who are struggling to grow and not having mentors, I think that it's also vital for us to, to pursue um, mentors. We must be known by name. We must be loved by name. And that's simply what the Lord does for us and if we're called to love as the Lord does, we, we have to move beyond thinking of ourselves according to these demographic categories, get to know one another by name, draw out and recognize people's stories. So I'm kind of rambling, Valentina, I'm sorry, but I just oh, want to the, the, the fundamental need for having these guides in our lives and, get, and being guides for others if we can. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And oftentimes I find that when I meet with different men or women, at the end of the conversation, they almost always say the same thing, which is, thank you for listening. 
Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for for the guidance. Thank you for just being here with me in this. And it's every time they say that, it strikes me because I'm like, wow, like how far is it of a society have we come come to where we have stopped listening to people, and we're in such a rush to share our own opinions and <laughs> and to have the focus be on us? But oftentimes, the greatest way we can love another person is to to listen and to be there with them and like you said to call them by name and to know have them remember that they are seen known and loved so that that really what you said was not rambling was definitely on point so thank you um so as we conclude our time together dr miller is there any other point that you think people should know about a personal vocation or anything further you want to share about the m code assessment mm -hmm. One thing I'd like to share is that part of the, the glory and the beauty of helping people recognize their, their themes of motivational gift from, from their narrative is that it helps them see that they are a unique and unrepeatable image bearer of Christ. That, that they're created in a way that has never been done before and never will be again. And that there's a great dignity and responsibility to cultivate who they are um, for the sake of bringing Christ to the world in a fresh new way. And oftentimes we don't recognize that about ourselves and one another. Um, we think that it's the other person who's the saint, or it's the other person who has all that it takes. And um, we don't recognize our own dignity or the dignity of others, even at the level of creation. But when we're baptized and we're living in a state of grace, also there, there's, there's this priceless, uns unspeakable almost dignity that each person is. and. We're on sacred ground when we are attending to another person, which we ought to be. But we also have to recognize that about ourselves. And it's not pride to, to see that the Lord made us uniquely and wonderfully and that we're called to image him in a way that's never been done before. So I just want to stress the, the sacredness of every single person and how necessary it is for each one to live into their unique uh, vocation and for us to cultivate that. When we do so, we are literally helping persons to write a chapter in salvation history that has never ever been written before and can't be written by anybody else. Um, that, that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to, for all eternity, write that chapter and have a chapter uh, in that story that is, is ours to co-create with him. So um, I would just like people to, to, to dwell on the, that dignity that other people have and that each, each one of us has and to work every day to, to write that story with the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. The gift it is to us. Yes, yes. 
Well, Dr. Miller, thank you for this time together. And if someone wanted to either get your book um, that you co-authored uh, on Repeatable, or just to learn more about the M code, where can they where can they go? We have a new website. The old website was InscapeVocations.com, but we've opened up a whole new non-for-profit organization called the Inscape Center for Personal Vocation. And so they can go to InscapeCenter.org. So that's I-N-S-C-A-P-E Center.org. And they'll learn more about um, our work of cultivating personal vocation. Um, they can go to motivationcode.com for more information about MCODE, although we will have information about MCODE on the InscapeCenter.org site as well. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Miller, thank you again for, for being with us. I really enjoyed our conversation and it opened my eyes to just even to look beyond um, the traditional definition of a personal vocation, of a vocation, and to see that it impacts every aspect of our lives and it is a way for us to give and receive love in such a unique way. So thank you for your time and thank you all for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks, Valentina.